Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends. If you're doing it the right way, anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. Walking out of a tunnel, you're scared shitless. You're excited. There's 20,000 people. You're like, you know, I'm, I might win tonight. I might die tonight. Like, I've broken my rib. I've broken my hand, my nose multiple times, jaw. So there's definitely those aches and pains, concussions. I'm like, man, there's so many people who probably he didn't realize were actually cheering him on to stop. Mm. <laughs> so it was it was an interesting dance. But yeah, I mean, mm. I was at hospitals with him, and it's been it's a huge heartbreaking part of my life is watching someone you love in pain. How I've started to get healing and getting off all, all those medications was through more natural remedies, right? And I'm not talking about holding crystals and humming it away. Yeah, I'm I'm talking about like real functional medicine, giving your body what it needs to do the job that it's designed to do on its own. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Travis Makes Friends. Today, I'm making two friends, one of whom I've actually known kind of on and off for the last four or five years, and her name is Angie Lee. And then her brother, Mike Lee, who I had the privilege of meeting for the first time when we had this conversation a little bit, uh, a, a little while ago back in Austin. Uh, so the way I know Angie is I came across her content, like I said, five, six years ago because she had a podcast and I was when I was first starting my podcast. And, and I saw her do a collaboration with somebody that I knew and just really liked her stuff. She's just very genuine, very authentic, very like raw and honest. Um, she also is a fan of comedy. She fills her free time by doing comedy sketches on Instagram and different things like that. Uh, but she grew a really big brand, uh, just behind throwing her own live events, uh, doing her own masterminds, having the podcast, uh, doing some lives, uh, and just helping women become better versions of themselves um, and feel more fulfilled in their lives, different things like that. And then uh, Mike enters the picture because her and uh, Mike, brother and sister duo, decided to start a CBD company uh, because Mike is actually a former professional boxer uh, who had a actually a astoundingly great record um, when he was when he was professional fighting and you know fought at in front of crowds at MGM. At Madison Square Garden, sold out um, uh, crowds of people that came to watch uh, his fights and things. So he, after leaving that world, uh, was just in chronic pain from getting beat up for a living for a decade and a half. And so uh, he was looking for solutions to that chronic pain and came across CBD. And so Angie and Mike ended up coming together and using kind of Mike's athletic background and performance background, and then Angie's background in online marketing and personal branding and all the things that she was working on, they came together and formed a company called Soul CBD, uh, which is uh, now doing extremely well, make a lot of different CBD products. They just launched their first THC gummy. It's infused with Delta 9 THC. So in this episode, we actually talk about the difference between Delta 9 uh, and like the loophole of why you can ship Delta 9 uh, through like across states, because it's you know, it's still not federally legal. And so uh, shipping anything besides Delta 9 would it would be illegal. But uh, Delta 9, for some reason, gets around those rules. We talk about that a little bit. We talk about some of the in-depth uh, pieces of of of, uh, 
uh, cannabinoids and what they can do for your body in terms of sports recovery, make you feel better and things like that. Um, but we also talk a lot about self-improvement. We talk a lot about mental performance. We talk a lot about raising a family. Um, and uh, it was on the forefront of Mike's mind because he has a, a, a new addition to his family. It's only a few weeks old. And then I'm a you know, fairly new dad myself. Um, over the last few years. So we, we honestly had a really great conversation. And this is one of those times where I've, when I left, I feel like, man, I genuinely made a couple of really good friends here. Uh, we just uh, saw it on, on quite a few things, able to challenge each other on a couple of other things. Um, and I just felt like it was a really great conversation. So uh, without any further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Mike and Angie Lee. What's up, guys? Welcome to the show. Hello. Do it. Let's make I'm, some friends. I'm glad you said we were brother and sister because we did have an incident once where someone thought we were married. And I so figured. I love that you cleared that up. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, we got to do it right <laughs> off the bat or else it'd be some weird tension in here for like a little while, you know? Yeah. They were like, yeah. how long have you been married? We were like, zero. <laughs> Negative zero years. Zero research. <laughs> <laughs> With the host thought that? Yeah. And we oh, look, no. we kind of look the same. So that's kind of where I was like, ooh, do you, oh, no. then I made like a hillbilly joke and then it just didn't land well. So. Uh, went oh, south no. real fast. <laughs> yeah like how'd you guys meet yeah, you know like, uh, in my mom <laughs> my mom's house yeah i guess yeah. <laughs> my mom's house we were pretty young our mom's house like yeah. like zero years <laughs> old when we met me. it was so funny that the whole time i couldn't get off my mind so appreciate that <laughs> of course um so let's go back let's go back to uh to mom's house um you know five six-year-old angie and mike what was what was life like for you i'll, I'll start with mike and then move to you angie yeah, we, we grew up in Chicago. Um, Real quick, you know, uh, who's older? I'm older. older. Uh, I'm 36, and I don't know if she wants to say her age, but uh, she is younger than 36. She's decrepit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, 36, I'm 33. Yeah, we, we were always really close. Grew up in Chicago. Um, you know, I had a sports background, so did Angie. And for me, that that really took off at a young age. I think our, our dad especially really pushed us into sports, and so... For the longest time, I thought it was going to be baseball, but it ended up being boxing. I was thrown into a boxing ring at eight years old. And okay. fast forward, you know, <clears throat> I'm 20 years old, fighting in the amateurs. I got signed by uh, Bob Arum in, in top rank, which was a dream come true for me. You know, it was like getting a call from the New York Yankees, basically, because they had signed uh, Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, De La Hoya. And so my career started at a young age, and um, I ended up finishing my career with 22 fights, uh, fought for a world title and won a couple titles and a lot of ups and downs throughout that, that we can get into it. And Angie was along for that ride, uh, during it. But, um, yeah, it was, so it was, uh, so basically boxing, that, basically, that was your childhood. That, my childhood was boxing and my childhood was being, <clears throat> I don't want to say forced, but being pushed into things and being given love through achievement. We're going to go deep real fast here, but <laughs> which I think has a blessing and a curse and allowed me to become one of the best athletes in the world in, in my sport. But now as I step back, retired and, you know, I have my own son now, um, <clears throat> definitely kind of a lot of lessons learned in how that can be really dangerous <laughs> showing a child love and, and giving them praise only through their accomplishments rather than their effort. And so, you know, mm -hmm. double-edged sword there. And I think Angie probably felt that a little bit too, in terms of what pushed her and motivated her. But um, looking back now, I'm, I'm grateful, but also a lot of lessons learned. So you were also playing a ton of sports, all at, the whole family's kind of athletic. Yeah, I feel like our dad really wanted, I think my dad probably wanted me to be a boy. <laughs> Part of him, right? So I think that there was this level of like, oh, get into sports and be successful at sports and then get into business. And so I just kind of followed that natural 
that natural journey. But yeah, I was a, a gymnast and then a sprinter. But I'm really grateful for athletics. I didn't do it to the, the level that Mike did. But athletics, I mean, I think is one of the greatest things that your, your kids can do or any anybody should be doing. It teaches mm-hmm. you so much about your 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 wellness, your health, your body discipline, so many of those things. So yeah, yeah I started out as a, a gymnast and then I did track. Then I went to college for a bit, even though I always kind of knew I probably wasn't uh, the ideal person for college. <laughs> I always had an idea that I wasn't probably going to to finish college. And so while I was in college, this is 2019, 2020. So this is before the internet was what it is now with with social media, online marketing, influencers, things like that. So, but I, it was almost like the the precipice, like right before it. So I had this feeling like, all right. Wait, when, wanna... you were, when you were in college? Yeah, yeah. What, what, what year did you say? Uh, 2019. Or sorry, 2009, I was like, wait a second. That yeah, was like oh my God, did I say ago. 2019? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's like, you were 29? You're uh, like, wait, you're... <laughs> like, I'm doing the math. The best at math, but... Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was like, what do you mean? <clears throat> okay. So 2009, 2010. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. the ninth. On the same page. Now. Yeah, yeah. 2010, the typical story of knowing I didn't want to be there. I uh, went to either do broadcast journalism or be a dietitian. I was obsessed with wellness, also loved speaking. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll be Katie Couric. Maybe I'll be on the news, even though I don't know shit about the weather or sports, but I will talk about whatever, read a prompter. And I'm in these classes and I'm miserable. And I'm like, this can't be it. And then I asked the girl next to me how much I would make if I was a dietitian working like 80 hours a week. And she told me, and I looked at her and I said, oh, hell no, I'm out here. I'm out here. I'm like, I'm out. I love salmon. I can't do this. <laughs> my life is way That's too expensive it. for this shit. <clears throat> and I would be in my classes. I, I literally remember being in class and I would, I started a blog spot. That was when blog spot was cool. Uh, and I would yeah. be replying to people. And it was like three people. It was people on campus, my personal training clients and I'd be like, yeah, girl, keep doing those pushups. Like I was just building community without knowing what I was doing, but it was yeah. more interesting than chem class. So I was creating content and posting videos and, and workout tips and wellness tips. And I just wanted to do that more because I didn't want to yeah. be in class. And that's really when it sparked me that there was this ability to make money on the internet in in other ways. And so that's when I dropped out. And then it kind of started this whole journey of entrepreneurship of podcasting, speaking, courses, physical products, digital products. And it kind of all started from that day of me saying, I got to do something else. I have to figure something else out because I know I'm not employable. And so yeah, yeah. that was really the journey. Now, Mike went to Notre Dame. He was able to actually go to school and get good grades. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's the more intelligent child. But Wait, I, so you were in school at the same time that you got signed to- Right after, right? I basically got signed right, right after I graduated. Okay. Um, there was an offer about a semester before I was- going to get signed and I knew I wanted to get my degree. So uh, basically right after I graduated, I went straight into camp. Um, They brought me down to Houston, Texas. And I had my first pro fight within, you know, four months, I think. What what did you guys' parents do? My dad was a serial entrepreneur, um, constantly just trying to start a business, fail. You know, uh, we went through bankruptcy uh, when we were young. It took a long time for him to finally kind of make it. Um, He was a high school dropout. And both our parents from inner city Chicago. Uh, my mom graduated high school, though I th- think she was the smarter one of the two. But my dad, extremely ambitious, right? So <clears throat> constantly hustling, trying to start things, and just telling the family, like, trust me, like I'm going to do this. We're going to make it. Um, 
and until he finally did. And he started a business, uh, you know, selling refurbished technology. So they would refurbish computers, uh, POS point of sale devices and whatnot. But I think that's how we really got the entrepreneurial bug mm -hmm. because no matter what, he always instilled in us to just go for it mm. in many ways. I mean, I literally risked my life in front of, you know, thousands and millions on TV. And so that, that type of like <clears throat> um, having a, a very, uh, you know, high risk tolerance was yeah. embedded in us very, very early on. Yeah. And you guys kind of experienced the ups and the downs with him where it was like, oh, we have money and now we don't have money. And then we have money and now we don't have money. <laughs> yeah, you know what's interesting though? <clears throat> I'm now realizing this <clears throat> is he wasn't really sharing it with us. And I think sometimes now, I mean, you guys are parents, I'm not yet, but I think it's important to almost share it with them, hmm. the journey of like, hey, hey buddy, I'm not doing well right now, this is why. And hey, I'm gonna try this new thing. It was, we, we kind of knew about it, but not really. There wasn't really this transparent conversation around like, hey, I'm really struggling, but you know what? I'm gonna figure it out. There wasn't, I didn't, we didn't really get to see the ups and downs. It was kind of just like, what is dad doing now? And so hmm. I think I would have liked that as much as I think, I think it's important to take your kids along the journey so they can see the entire process of what it really feels like to be an entrepreneur. Hmm. Cause it's not every year, or every season is awesome. It yeah. comes with a lot of shit. And yeah. so I think it would have been cool to actually see that. So it's interesting you brought that up because I've been thinking of that recently of what a gift that would have been to see him even sit down and just say, Hey, this is what's going on right now. This is why my sales are this. Mm. So then you can um, celebrate with your parents and then you can also know what it's like to be in, in the low with them too, because yeah. that is life. And so I wish we would have kind of saw that more. <laughs> it you know, is interesting really to us about it a lot. It is interesting as, as a parent, it's just like, you want to, <clears throat> you want to protect your kids, but you also want to show them what life is like, you know? And, and so i I, I agree. I agree with that in in a lot of ways, and I and I feel like my wife and I try to try to do that a little bit more with our kids. Is just like talk to them more like they're adults because they're smarter than you think they are. You know what I mean? And and but also, you know, you don't want to you don't want to give them the stress of being an adult as a kid. Yeah. is the only thing is like you don't want to bring them in and be like, hey, we're struggling right now, and like yeah. share in our stress now. You know, like you want them to to live this like, yeah. hey. Everything's okay. You're a kid. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. Like do dumb things and like <laughs> beat on your sister. You know what I mean? Do like, dumb like yeah. yeah, I mean they're not your therapist. But right, they can right. be your friend in that you are like, hey. But there is a lot of value in bringing them along. Yeah. The journey. Yeah. That must be tricky. Yeah. Yeah. But in his defense and in my parents' defense, they gave us the life that they never had. Right. Mm -hmm. So to your point, they shielded us from a lot of things that you know. Get, the car's getting repoed and things like that, that mm. my dad would like make up stories. So I didn't really know. And so mm. there is that kind of like, I don't know if I really wanted to know that at a young age. And also yeah. their hard work allowed us to have a life that they never had. So yeah. we have to be grateful for that now. Yeah. And then our mom, she, in the beginning was, uh, she had an at-home daycare. That's how she made money under oh, the no table way. and, and okay. made enough to keep us surviving while my dad was trying out things. So in the beginning, Year. She was really the, the hero who was holding things down. And we woke up every day with 10 to 15 kids running around everywhere. And we thought they were our brothers and sisters probably. So <laughs> our mom did that. And then when my dad made enough, she was a full-time mom and okay. was really good at that. She crushed it. That's what she really wanted to do is be there and be a mom. So, yeah. And now she works in the business. Yeah. So it's a full family. Oh, really? And watches. Nice. Full family business. Yeah. <laughs> so, and is kind of my nanny. Yeah. So she's yeah. crushing it again in life. Yeah. yeah. She's tired. <laughs> this is, that's a recent development too, right? How, how you said how old? Nine weeks? Yeah. He's nine weeks old. Uh, <sighs> first child. Uh, his name's Luca. How's yeah, that? How's really, that been? It's exciting. It's, um, 
It's a wild feeling. Just a lot of very surreal moments that people tell you about. Yeah. That until you experience it yourself, you just <clears throat> you just don't know. How how was the birth room for you? That that was one of and that's what I'm talking about really. Yeah. I Mike loved about it. surreal. <laughs> yeah. I mean a wild experience. Wild experience. I I've I've had a lot of those moments where I've I've had to like calm myself down. I've been I've gotten good at it, right? I mean, walking out of a tunnel, you're scared shitless, you're excited, there's 20,000 people. You're like, you know, I'm I might win tonight, I might die tonight. Like that feeling of like, okay, let me calm myself down. So I was literally doing those like breath work stuff in there and mm. <clears throat> Hannah, my girlfriend did, didn't know I was doing that, but cuz internally I was freaking out, right? <laughs> freaking out. Cause I'd never seen anything like this and like so much props to women. Oh my God, what they go through and what happened. I, I just couldn't believe it. But I, yeah, I mean, I started bawling crying. It yeah. was one of the most, if not the most beautiful like moment of my life. And it's tough to describe. I mean, you, you know, it's just yeah. one of those things you either experience or, or you don't. And you could read a book or watch a video or talk to somebody. It'll just never be the same. Well, as, as a dad too, it's like <clears throat> you have your one baby. Or how many do you have? I have two. Two. Oh, okay. How old are they? Yep. My son is four. My daughter's three. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, right, right. Back to back. Yeah, back to back. So that was fun. Um, uh, when, when you're a dad, the pregnancy part is like, it's theoretical that you're having a baby. Exactly. Because you don't have, like the mom gets to experience like the connection yeah. with the baby and like they're, they're feeling it kick all the time. And like, yeah, you can put your hand on her, on her stomach or whatever, but it's like, it's not the same thing. And then like all of a sudden it's just like, that's why the, the birthing room is so crazy <clears throat> because it's just like, it goes from this theoretical thing. Like I'm having a baby to be like, Plop. it's just like, this is a baby now. And you're like, Oh my gosh, yeah. it's like a real, it's like a, and then they just let you walk away with it. You that, know what I mean? That's wild to me. Like, See, <laughs> like, I have a couple hours later, we're out the door. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, they know we took yeah. this baby, right? Yeah. Like, we have a baby in our arms. Like that they, is we, they crazy. give us an instruction manual. <laughs> you know I, what I mean? can like, see as a man, that is so trippy. Cause you're like, okay, I knew this thing was coming in nine, 10 months, but then you're like, oh my God, this person, yeah. I have to make sure they're alive for the rest of my life. Yeah. I just remember buckling him in his car seat. My, my son, the first time he's, he's my oldest. <clears throat> and I was just like, it took me like 10 minutes because I was just yeah. like, yeah, exactly. Just like trying not to like hurt him. Like I, we we're going over the speed bumps on the way, like on the way home, which is like slow down to zero miles an hour. Just like, whoa, is he okay? Is, he, is, yeah. is everything all right? Yeah. And then you realize that, you know, babies are durable. Yeah. Yeah. I heard with the second child, <laughs> like everything is so different yeah. with the second child. You're basically like, ah, they'll be fine. You know, Yeah. Well, you do, there's a lot of immediate feet. Well, the, the positives about having two back to back like that is that you, you just went through it. So you kind of, you remember a lot of the immediate people. Like if we, I feel like if we had another baby right now, we might even be less prepared than we were the second time oh, because it's been several years since we've had a baby in the house. <laughs> That's now, you funny. Know? So, yeah. um, but yeah. Okay. So, so I want to get back into, into the story here. So you guys, uh, what, where I was going with your parents thing. So there was never any pressure from them. It sounds like to like go down a certain career path or do any, like when you were kind of figuring things out and you mm -hmm. were leaving school to like create, content online and whatever the hell that meant to your parents like were they what how were they feeling during that time yeah you know it's interesting we, we kind of had similar but different experiences with this because we both did something that was unconventional obviously he went to athletics and I'm doing this thing that now it's more popular but yeah I was like no there's a way to launch courses and events and podcasts and there's these things called sponsors and I was like interested in it and so I remember telling my mom like it's a thing and I'll figure it out and she was like all right. And I can remember the day I called her when I quit 
I remember I told my counselor, I was like, I'm out. This this shit's stupid. I'm out. She was you're like, like, wait, what are you going to do with your life? You're like 19 or something. I was like, post videos on the internet. She's like, dear God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember she's like, see you later, hoe. You know, she was probably like, okay, another one of these girls. But I was like, no, I'm going to figure this out. I can remember. I, I, I remember the elevator exactly where it was. I can remember going down, calling my mom. And I was crying because I was so happy that I was free. Because I, since kindergarten, have hated school. I've hated Every day you wake up, you do the same thing. You have the bell. They, you know, I just, I hated all of it. And so I remember I was like, I'm, I'm done. She was like, I knew this call was coming since kindergarten, literally. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, I always knew with you. Like, we didn't want to maybe tell you, but I just always knew with you. Like, Mike, we thought he'd probably finish school. But you, like, <laughs> we just had this feeling like it wasn't, your path is just going to be weird and different. And so, yeah, she knew and she was like, just go fly, like figure it out and you'll you'll figure it out. And so there was always this like, obviously they wanted us to be happy and successful, but there was this flexibility of figure it out, yeah. whatever that looks like for you. So I do feel like we had the permission slip to be different yeah. and, and not follow the rules of, okay, you go to college, you get good grades and then you go work at a law firm and then you right. get married at this age. You, have, you know, the, the, there's like these rules of happiness to life. And I think that we were never really told those, which is probably good. At least, That's, right? Same for you. You felt like you yeah. could do whatever you wanted, even though, I mean, you went to Notre Dame, right? So most people who go to Notre Dame go and get like a fancy schmancy job, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you went to Notre Dame. So <laughs> it's like to do that probably was hard too, because it's part of you is like, I'm not even going to use this part of this degree. <laughs> yeah. Just for, go, go punch people, people in the face, face for a living. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, okay. What, and now what, I what did you weed. get your uh, degree in? <laughs> uh, finance. Okay. I was just always good with numbers. Um, <clears throat> but I just, I loved boxing and I, I loved the adrenaline rush and I, I won the golden gloves in my weight class and I started training in pro camps and I just felt like it sounds corny, but I, I knew in my gut that if I didn't go for it, I would always regret it. I, I knew I would be, you know, 90, a hundred years old and just wonder what if, and that what if scares the death out, where, death out of me. So where, where do you think that foresight came from? I've had a really weird, almost like morbid uh, idea of mortality, mm -hmm. like even at a young age and to this day. Are you guys religious at all? I'm, we're not, okay. I'm not. Um, and maybe that's part of it because I almost wish I was, because I'm not convinced that when I'm, when I'm done on this earth that I go to heaven. There's you know, a second I, shot. There's yeah. a second shot. I, I don't really know. Um, be, I don't think anyone knows. But, well, yeah. you know, when people Dude, have a lot of faith, it, it gives them comfort in that, right? Yeah. And so uh, I don't have that comfort. And what that has allowed for me, for instance, when I drive by cemeteries, I, I actually like smile a little bit. And it's so weird. It is, That's but not it's, demented at all. No, it's not <laughs> demented at all. But it, it it's like a, a morbid feeling of uh, that's going to be me one day. Yeah. So I better make today count. And or... I better do something I'm excited about. Yes. Not yeah. that other people feel like they're, they're excited about. And it puts risk into perspective for me is, is what it does a lot is like when you look at life in, in terms of like 300 years from now and you realize how completely non-existent and insignificant you are in the grand scheme of the universe and how long time has existed, like why, yeah. why do, why do things 
because other people want you yeah. to do those things instead of doing things that light you up or make you enjoy life or like yeah. put a smile on your face, you know, or, or like bring you closer to the people that you love or whatever. Just like, why? I don't, it just doesn't make, it doesn't, there's no logical conclusion to that to me. Yeah. You know, like, cause you go, you go to some of these, some of those, you know, cemeteries and you look at the dates and it's like, you know, 1836 to 1884. Yeah. It's like, damn. Yeah. Like they're so far in the past that it's not even like close to being relevant to anything that's happening to like, you know what I'm saying? Like they died before like 200 years, like before my great grandma was born, they, yeah. this person was already gone. Wow. And like that 50 years that they were on earth is the same amount of time of the 50 years that like I'm in the middle of living right now. Yeah. If I'm lucky enough to get to 50 and 80 and 90 and whatever else yeah. and beyond, you know? So yeah. like it, we only got, you know, yeah. we only get a little bit of time here yeah. and it's not going to matter once it's done, you know, and, and the people that you care about right now that whose like opinions are forming the habits that you're des deciding to live your life by, they're not even going to be at your, by your deathbed. They're not going to be at your funeral. Like they're not, they're, they're insignificant, like ants compared to, you know what I mean? Like just yeah. nothing matters in that yeah. sense. So <laughs> why not go, yeah. go for like what you want to like make, you know, make something uh, out of your life. But I, I'm, that's why I asked that question. Cause I, I, I'm curious about what drives that point of thinking because it's well-documented that delayed gratification is one of the core common denominators of success, right? Mm -hmm. Like the marshmallow tests everybody's familiar with. <clears throat> it's like, where, like, is that something that's just ingrained in you? Cause I've, I've always thought that way myself. It's just like, I'm always thinking about like, what does 90 year old Travis think about this? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And if the, if the answer is like, I will regret not having seen this through, then I do it. Even if it's super scary and super risky and puts a lot of stuff, you know, that I currently hold at risk. It's just like, yeah, but, but that's so scary to me, like to be at that point of life where you can do zero things about it and to be filled with this like utter feeling of like sh almost shame that you didn't mm. go for something. Yeah. And because why, because why didn't you go? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like reason. when they interview people, at the end, they always seem to have like the similar three to four things that they're all saying, right? Like mm -hmm. I should have told more people I loved them. I should have been around those people. It's very like people relationship focused. Mm -hmm. And then it's, you should have went for things that I thought would, you know, were silly and stupid, but I wish I would have at least tried. And then yeah. so many people is, which is like one of my cornerstones of, of life is like fun. Like just weren't, they were taking it so fucking seriously. Mm -hmm. Like I literally go to a dance class once a week that there are girls who will tell me they don't want to go because they're just nervous to go dance in front of people. And I'm like, dude, that's the whole point. Like who mm. cares? Like yeah. the whole point is to literally go and just like whatever happens, happens, you know? And even on the internet, it's like posting videos. I'm like, I just, when I'm 90, you're right. I'm going right, to be like, right. I'm so glad I just said what I wanted to say. And I was just me. And so it is interesting that that's one of the biggest regrets is people just, I think, took it so seriously. And then it wasn't, they weren't allowed to enjoy life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Cause when you're taking it so seriously, it's like, all right, we're all going to die. We're like, I always say we're these cucumbers rolling around on this ball. We're literally like 60% water. We're on a, we're on a moving ball in space right now. Like what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah, you know what right, I mean? Right. I think we're here to just have fun and try things. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not this sure. Is if, deep. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's uh, innate or learned, but I, I think for my, for me in particular, it was definitely as we mentioned how I was raised, maybe how we were raised, and 
risk was just treated and seen differently. Hmm. So without even sitting down and, and my father explaining to me about risk and safety and whatnot, watching how he operated, watch him make money, lose money, watch him take risks, watch him be up and down, um, you know, violent sometimes, not violent other times. I think I learned a lot through that process and that gave me my risk appetite. So now as a father, I'm learning how many little things, even the energy I give, not just exactly what I say to my son, but the way that I operate, he's going to mirror me. He's going to mimic it. And I think that's where I got it from him. Um, I'm less risky than he is, but also, you know, like I said before, it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? It's a blessing, blessing and a curse because that can also take you down a pretty dangerous path as well. So, yeah. What do you mean by that? Can you go into that a little bit more? Cause you, you mentioned that a little bit earlier as well. Yeah. You know, there's part of me that has regrets about boxing. My health has struggled and actually is part of the reason why we started this, uh, company. Okay. Um, and the end of 2012, early 2013, I was 12 and 0 undefeated on top of the world. I just fought in Madison Square Garden my last fight. Wow. Um, I had a couple Super Bowl commercials with uh, Subway, uh, the restaurant. Um, and so it was just like, I felt immortal and I started to get really sick and my body started breaking down. And I spent almost two years in and out of hospitals later getting diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. Wow. Um, and even to this day, still deal with concussion issues, autoimmune issues. Um, I've had Lyme disease for years. Um, it was just kind of like a, a whole thing of, you know, my, my immune system shutting down on top of concussion issues. And it's why I wear these glasses. Sometimes they're my migraine glasses. Were those other health issues tightly related to boxing? What I think now looking back at it, well, there definitely were boxing related, right? I, I've broken my rib. I've broken my hand, my nose multiple times, jaw, so there's definitely those aches and pains, concussions. I think what happened with the autoimmunity, and this is very common for men in their mid twenties when they start to get autoimmune issues, is that I was in so much fight or flight, hmm. literally, that it was one one small thing was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I think, hmm. as much as I was enjoying life and and really giving it my all and loving what I was doing, I think my body was in so much fight or flight and sparring yeah. and these massive moments where it just became too much. And not to get super woo woo, but I, I'm an empath and I, I truly believe that and know that. And now as I look back on my career, there was always a disconnect because I loved competing, right? I loved sports, but I didn't like hurting people. Hmm. My job was to be the best in the world at hurting people. Yeah. And I was very good at it. And it had this weird disconnect between, I'd feel great about knocking someone out but then I'd also kind of feel terrible. And I think that tugging and pulling along with all the fight or flight and the media and the interviews and the TV stuff and the pressure with my dad and the pressure with my agent and just everybody, it just finally, my body started breaking down. So um, I ended up on eight different medications at one point, addicted to painkillers, because once again, that should have been the time I retired at 27 or whatever it was. Instead, I was pressured to get back in the ring. Hmm. Um, you know, for many reasons. And also as part of my identity, you know, sure. I, I, yeah. I wanted to prove some myself. internal pressure as well, not just external. Exactly. A ton of internal pressure of like, this is not how I'm going to go out, yeah. you know, yeah. like I'm going to go out on my shield. Like I'm going to get back in the ring. So I am proud of myself for getting back in the ring, but like, I'll never forget my comeback fight was on NBC. 
national television in Philadelphia. I fought another undefeated fighter. And for the first time in my entire boxing career, I was more scared of getting hurt than losing. So every time I mm. walked in the ring before that, wow. amateurs and pros, I would rather get hurt than lose. Yeah. And for the first time, because of all that sickness and pain I'd gone through and just climbing to get back in the ring for this, my comeback fight, a big fight, the night before I was so nervous. I remember pulling my dad to the side after we had some media and dinner. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And I was so scared. I was scared to death. And so I ended up winning that fight somehow, got in the ring. I did my thing, got a knockout. It just never felt the same. Hmm. I had eight more fights after that. And the feeling I got was just never the same. It was always more, I'm nervous for this. And I think it's everything I went through those two years in the sure. hospitals. Yeah. And so, you know, even my last fight, I knew it'd be my last one. I could barely get through that training camp. Um, we had to take days off. I had to hop back on some painkillers. Wow. Um, went down to a lower weight class. Uh, <clears throat> Just because you were losing weight? Yeah. You did we, that on purpose or that was on accident? Well, we had an opportunity to fight for the world title. So I oh, fought okay. the number one fighter in the world um, for the the uh, um, for the world title at 168 super middleweight. And then the winner was going to go fight Canelo Alvarez. Oh, wow. So... For me, it was a huge opportunity. I knew in my heart, even if I won that fight, I'm done. Like, I, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed Survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters. Is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So there was a lot of internal, external pressure and kind of going back to the beginning of what I was saying, the double-edged sword, looking back now, I don't regret boxing and I don't regret going for my dreams. And 
um, risking everything I risked and even my last fight getting knocked out and stopped and embarrassed in my eyes in front of a million people on TV, you know, and thousands at the MGM Grand. I don't regret that. I'll always go for it. I don't care about that. I'm, I'm proud of myself for that. I regret uh, letting the external pressure and even the internal pressure of getting back in the ring after I got sick and having eight more fights and another five plus years of my career uh, o- override what my gut was telling me. And my mm. gut was telling me, you need to be done. This is enough. Your health is most, more important than money and accolades. Yeah. And now I bear the consequence of that because I deal with daily pain. I deal with headaches. I'm constantly seeing doctors and at the Amen Clinic and Carrick Institute and world-renowned places. I bought a hyperbaric chamber. I, you know, I'm doing everything because I want to live healthy and long, especially now that I have a son. Yeah. So there's this weird feeling of um, gratitude for everything I accomplished, but also regret and being scared of what the next knock on wood, 50 plus years look like sure. if my health is like this now. Um, so it's it's bittersweet in a sense. Where were you um, on all this, Angie, at the time? Like you, mm. you know, you're working on your yeah. business, you're starting your career and then yeah. seeing like, did you, are you going to the fights? Are you guys close at this time? What's yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to the fights. I don't watch them though. Okay. I've watched them on the TV. Because it made it feel less real. Okay. <laughs> you mean like the stay, Jumbotron. The Jumbotron. Oh, you would, you would. Yeah, actually, like if you were right, you'd be sitting there fighting, and then I would watch there there. versus, even though it's literally right mm-hmm. next to me, because it yeah, felt yeah. more like, oh, this is just a person on TV and sure. I was able to emotionally like separate myself. Yeah, yeah. A bit more. I mean, there was a few seconds where I would look, but if it was just, it would cause me stress then. So I'm like, oh my God, I can't imagine the stress he's under. But then you're like, okay, but he, he has to do this, you know? So it was a lot. I think it was an up and down, right? It was a really interesting situation because so many times I wanted to tell him to quit, but then you can't tell someone when they're in it, they have to want to yeah. stop themselves, especially men. I mean, you guys, men, you guys put such an immense amount of pressure on yourselves to complete the thing that I started, right? I mean, that's just, that's part of being a man and that can be really beautiful and it can also destroy your lives in certain ways. So it's almost like mm-hmm. this weird dance where I had to respect that it's his life. It's not mine, but then like wanted him to quit. And yeah, it was crazy. Even that last fight at the end, you know, going back to, we care so much what people think of us. Right. And so there's this part of him that thought I have to keep up this image. I have to keep fighting, but it's so crazy that the minute the fight ended, one of our family friends who, uh, her husband actually was one of your trainers he's, for a while. He was my first trainer. His name was Ronnie Shields. He's like a yeah, he's like a father to me. His <clears throat> wife, who's known Mike for a while now and a huge support of Mike, turned around and looked at me and I'll always remember it. And the minute the bell rang, she was like, I'm so glad that Mike is done. I'm so happy for him that he's free. Mm. And she made a joke and said, he's he's too, he's too good looking and articulate to be doing this anymore or something. And she looked at me and I, I thought in that moment, like, I need to tell Mike this one day because... He needs to know that there are people actually, and this applies to any season of your life, anybody listening, that when you think that you need to keep going, but actually there's people who, who agree that like, maybe this is the end of this thing. Mm, you know, like, yeah. please go to the next chapter of your life. Like, please turn the page. But we're so like controlled. We're like trying to control like that what we think is like the chapter we still need to be in. So it was, it was yeah. cool. Cause I'm like, man, there's so many people who probably he didn't realize we're actually cheering him on to stop. Mm. <laughs> so it was, it was an interesting dance, but yeah, I mean, mm. I was at hospitals with him and it's been, it's been heartbreaking. I mean, I it would, it would be a lie if I told you it's, it was, it has been, and you know, in certain seasons worse than obviously like he's, he's healed in many ways now, but a huge heartbreaking part of my life is watching someone you love in pain. It's, it's hard. It's, it's so hard. I can't, yeah. it's because you can't, 
do anything sometimes. Right. Well, and especially that in that context too, because it's not like he's the victim. Yeah, yeah know, exactly. And you want a grown man making the decision to yeah. go do this thing. Yeah. You know, and something that you love. That's that, that's got to be the weird part because like weird. This has to exist <clears throat> solely in the microcosm of like combat sports specifically. Mm. Um, not to say that other sports don't beat you up or whatever, but you know, obviously. That's not the goal of most sports is to yeah. beat up the other person. I feel like a lot of football players probably though deal with this. Uh, the, uh, football, like defensive linemen, football right? and hockey. There's got to be like some, you know, there's a there's a lot of CTE yeah. issues, you know, for people coming out of those sports as well. Um, it's, a, it's a niche. I always tell Mike, like I want him to, I've always encouraged him to keep talking about it and be open. And I'm so proud that he's been so open and vulnerable about it because there's so many men out there who've been in that season of being an athlete, whether it's professional or went really long time being an athlete. And then they deal with the the next life after, yeah. whether it's pain or the next career thing. And it's a whole niche and a whole world that people don't really want to talk about. And they're just very hush hush about because they're dudes. Right. But it's like, no, like, let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, what What do you think you're going to have for your son or encourage your son to do <laughs> golf? <laughs> so fun. He's, he's going to play golf. I told my wife the same thing. It's like, I was like, <laughs> he can do whatever he wants to do. Yeah. In addition to golf. Yeah. <laughs> like, golf will be golf, like tennis. Go, you, know, uh, you might have some back problems from swinging or something yeah. like that. Swimming. But like, swimming yeah. can't be too painful. Swimming. There you go. Swimming. Some yeah. <laughs> no, I think anything, anything he wants um, in and out of sports. I think I've learned so many lessons through that. Uh, I, I'm definitely going to teach him how to fight. I think there's an awesome confidence that comes with learning how to fight, protect yourself, protect mm. people. Yeah. But um, I'm not going to push him into a ring at eight years old sure continue that process my brain wasn't even fully developed you know right i'm getting hit so yeah it's it's a learning lesson there it's it, when you were talking i was just thinking it's like the thing i kept kind of asking myself is like how is the thing i love the most in the world also giving me so much pain yes exactly yeah. and i still can't answer that question and it's I mean, been the toughest thing to isn't answer. that isn't that Life though, it's like yeah. I'm sure parenthood is that you love this thing, but say. love is quote love is pain. Like I love you so much that it's painful because <clears throat> I would hate to lose you. Like isn't that what love is of I, anything? I feel like that's what <laughs> it's cheesiest. <laughs> it really, I mean, it really is. It's cheesy because it's true. You know, a wife, uh, your kids, like your everything's that way, man. Like yeah. the thing, the things that provide the the most mm -hmm. happiness, the most fulfillment, the most love and joy are also the things that cause the most pain, the most struggle, the most, you know, late nights and can't sleep and I'm anxious and it's a business, you know, yeah. your business does the same thing. Just sucks that his had to also be so physical, right? Which yeah, now that's obviously- what that, It's the exaggerated effect. Yeah, it's, it's you know? almost to the point where it's, yeah, I think there's a degree where it wasn't healthy though because of the physical aspect of it for sure. Yeah. The mental and, part I think was great for you. It taught you probably so much mentally about fighting imagine, and, and yeah. bravery and courage, but it's like, damn, could you have done that with then with something that didn't physically? Yeah. But I think there's a lot of modalities and whether it's everything from CBD, THC, uh, I've got a lot into like psychedelics and mm -hmm. psilocybin. Um, I was got an opportunity to be a part of uh, a documentary that ESPN put together. Oh, cool. um, it was the first time in ESPN's history that they did any type of piece on psilocybin, hmm. which was big, obviously for Disney who owns ESPN to clear it. Yeah, and yeah. a handful of myself and some other ex-professional athletes, NFL guys uh, and, and big time hockey players went out there. And uh, the, the piece is called uh, Peace of Mind. Um, and we went out to Jamaica and, and did some psilocybin journeys, all facilitated with, with doctors. And they took our blood for and after. We did brain scans. 
And it was uh, a really <laughs> wild, incredible, a lot of ups and downs, but a beautiful thing that I got to experience. I got to witness some other guys that were there, have some incredible breakthroughs, guys that had much worse concussions than myself. Um, and guys who had, you know, were making millions of dollars, top draft picks on top of the world in their twenties. And now they're in their thirties with yeah, money, but broken. Hmm. And so it was money really, if they're lucky a lot of times, money so, if they're lucky yeah. without a doubt. And, and, but these guys were broken and even myself in, in aspects of life, I'm feel broken. And so it was cool to kind of go through that. Not that it's fixing everything, but hmm. another tool in the tool belt to kind of help with CTE, with depression, with head injuries. And, um, you know, I think the science is coming out, whether it be ketamine, uh, MDMA, psilocybin, that it's starting to really help a lot of athletes and veterans and, and just everyday people. Yeah, it's wild how long that stuff has been just kept under wraps. Yeah. <laughs> Have you done a lot of conversations on it yet? Um, not a ton, hmm. not not specifically yeah. about it, but yeah. like a lot of the people that I talk to will have like conversations or side conversations yeah. or it'll come up in conversation like this. Yeah. Um, because yeah, it's just more and more, I, I think it's really just the access to information, you know, it's just before social media, before podcasts, YouTube, before it, all these other sources of information, you only had what they told you. Yeah. yeah. You know, so that's why everybody just, tr you trust your doctor, you trust the news, you trust these, like these agreed upon sources of yeah. truth Yeah. and what they say goes, and there's no other form of getting information. And so now we all have access to yeah. a lot more information from people who are equally as or more qualified than the people that we were listening to before. Totally, totally. Um, and I think that that's, I, I think it's going to be a generational thing, you know, it's just, especially like, like just our, our parents' generation, I think was just like drugs equals bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. any drug yeah. doesn't matter. It's bad. For some reason, alcohol kind of always yeah, slipped through. Yeah, yeah, it was super weird. I, I don't know. I don't understand that yeah. one. You know what I mean? Even like, though, like the greatest visionaries and artists of of those times, this fifties and sixties and seventies, the Beatles, everybody was on drugs. But yeah. yet they're supposed to be right, bad. But drugs. Yeah, some yeah. of the greatest things that have been invented were probably somebody just on a mountain on Tripping. LSD. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, maybe it's not the worst. I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, <laughs> not they, that anyone's going through that. They were at least smoking weed. You know what I mean? Like, True. Yeah. There was just like everyone was more chill then too, probably. <laughs> yeah. Right. But for some reason, alcohol, they're just like, alcohol is good. Yeah. All other things are bad. It's like, what? Alcohol is like- The worst for it's you. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Like objectively worse. <laughs> Literally yeah. poison. It's terrible. Like, yeah. These other four options. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like mushrooms cannot kill you. I mean, you could do a lot. And Mike did a lot there, but you could technically do five, eight grams and you're not going to die, even though you might right. feel like you are and have a horrible trip. Yeah. But alcohol, there's a point where you, you would if yeah. you kept drinking. Right. So it's interesting that that conversation isn't had. And we talk about this with CBD, you know. CBD, our, our regular gummies, you could, and those two, you could technically right now eat the entire thing and there's zero toxicity level. Oh. I bet on my life, you will not die. Now, well, you might get super sleepy, maybe, might feel super zen, cool, okay. But high. like, you're gonna be fine. Now, you can't say that about Tylenol, aspirin, right. anything you go pick up down the street at CVS, you, you would die if you ate the entire 60 count, 30 count. So mm. that's what's really nice about what we believe about plant medicine and, and these new alternatives is there's zero toxicity level. So I tell people, I'm like, dude, the worst thing that's gonna happen is you just won't feel anything. Right. But you're totally fine. It's not gonna hurt your liver. Totally. You're not gonna- <laughs> you're There's not, gonna, not a list of 48 side effects no that side include effects. like death and cancer and shit like <laughs> I that. I love those it's commercials. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, I think I'll just stick with the rash on my neck. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. It's like, always a rash. I think rash. I'm all right. You might die. You're like, <laughs> yeah. dude, I have psoriasis. <laughs> like, 
or, or like you could lose your kidney yeah. and it's like, like whoa you might what kill yourself you're like i'll have psoriasis i'm fine <laughs> or yeah it's like <laughs> the, an- the antidepressant that. medications like side effects mean yeah. food depression you're like yeah. what anxiety suicide hey, no, it's yeah. so sad <laughs> wait a second uh, i have those i'm trying to get rid of those I, and i like how sometimes they'll say like in rare cases they'll list like 12 of them that are just like these are like the common ones yeah. and they'll be like in rare cases you might die like there's yeah. suicide is a chance and you could end up in the hospital. There's got to be another way. So that's what yeah. we're we're grateful for is that we've been part of that. And if if even in a small way, we've helped thousands of people already. But like yeah. even just waking people up because it's always step one. You got to meet your customer where they're at. So step one is like let, just be open to at least CBD. And then if that takes you in a place where one day maybe yeah you're doing psychedelics and whatnot, who knows? In, in a yeah. therapeutic assisted way, that's fine. But just having the conversation of yeah. like getting dms from girls that are like hey i'm now taking our gummies for period cramps instead of my doll like that makes me happy because i'm like oh wow yeah. i feel like this woman at least now is open-minded to something more holistic you know yeah so. i think with all this you just have to follow the money and yeah. you know big pharma fda all these big bodies are just incentivized financially Completely, yeah yeah well, even we were for, talking about with the the painkillers that the you said you had some addictions to early on like that stuff is what is egregiously like just awful the the when you look at the behind the scenes of like the opioid yeah. crisis oh, i feel that so was good though that it's so addictive i could see how people would yeah, you feel on top of the world yeah oh, it's, i mean it's fantastic yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've had surgeries and stuff when i played a lot of basketball growing up so i had um, reconstructive surgery when i was in college mm. <clears throat> on my ankle and uh yeah i mean that that stuff's great <laughs> i could totally like it was one of the it was one of the t- one of the things that i've taken where i've been like i could definitely see how easy it would be yeah. to get addicted to this. Exactly. Like, and I, I had to stop it. I was just like, I, I cannot get a refill on the prescription because mm. if I do that, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. You know, and, and it's not even just a psychological addiction. It's a literal physiological addiction. It's an addictive substance that hooks. It's, it's so bad. It's like an insidious thing. It's wild. You know, I was, t- I had, um, Brandon Novak on the show yesterday who's on Jackass and mm. he was, um, he was, has this whole story. He's sober now in like nine years. And uh, he was like, just laid out this whole um, scenario where he's talking about, he's like, just imagine you're a kid, you know, you're, you have the lacrosse scholarship, whatever, you get injured, you go to the, the the doctor's office, the doctor, the medical doctor writes you a prescription for this thing, you take it for 30 days, whatever. And then like after 30 days is up and you don't have a prescription anymore, it's like, oh, well, that was actually really helpful. I'm still in a lot of pain, you know, and it felt really great. So your buddy down the street has some you know, p- extra pills from his prescription. You start buying them at 50, 60, 70, 80 bucks a pop. Yeah. And he was like, and then he was like, then that guy runs out and you still want the high. You run into this CD guy down or, you know, that's in your neighborhood. And he's like, what are you doing buying Percocet at 80 bucks a pop? You could buy this heroin for 10 bucks and get like five uh, times as high. And it was like the first time, like I'd wow. never, I never realized like the pricing discrepancy between yeah. those things. Cause I'd never been in that world, yeah. thankfully. But, um, but there was just like a wild story to be like, no shit. Yeah. Like no duh that no duh that happened. Yeah. Like what are we doing here? Wow. Like these just evil evil people up at the top that are just yeah. profiting off of destroying the lives of millions of people. 100%. Yeah, and there's yeah. good doctors out there too, of course, but Yeah, I'm not the, talking about the doctors the joke even of like necessarily. Is, yeah. I'm talking more about like the sacrifice oh, and the, exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. The, but yeah. None, none of them went to jail. Yeah, that's wild. They it's paid wild. a they're fine on the profit they already made. Yeah. And you now they're just they're chilling with hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, probably billions. Yeah. From from doing that's that's the stuff yeah. I'm talking about, where it's just like oh. that's just sickening. Like you are sick people. It is. You know? I think, you know, modern medicine has had 
obviously incredible advances and it's phenomenal for more like emergency and abortive. But for me in particular, especially when you deal with autoimmune or chronic illness, yes, Western medicine didn't do it for me. Yes. Continue. It just doesn't. There will be times that I will hop on a prescription if I need to or whatever. Um, I think that there's an important part for that. But for me, how I've started to get healing and getting off all, all those medications was through more natural remedies, right? And I'm not talking about holding crystals and sure. humming it away. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about like real functional medicine. Giving and, your body what it needs to do the job that it's mm-hmm. designed to do on its own. Exactly. That's all. That's like literally all it is. You know, that it's, that's why it's so crazy when people call it woo woo and stuff. It's just like, Mm -hmm. no, it's just, that's just your, your body's like goal is to be healthy. It does a lot of this stuff on its own. It wants to stay alive. It's just that we prevent it from doing those things by pouring terrible shit into our body all Mm -hmm. the time and Mm -hmm. treating it like garbage. That's why 70% of Americans are obese. You know what I mean? And that's like, uh, that's one. Uh, I'm, I might get canceled for this one, but that's why. Um, uh, Dude, being canceled is the best. Go for it. <laughs> with uh, it's so hard for me to trust when my doctor is like egregiously yeah. overweight. Yeah, it's just like yeah. what? Are you, yeah, for how, sure. You can't. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. Can't be yet. sitting here telling me about how to be healthy. Yeah, you know he doesn't look healthy or feel healthy. Yeah, you you can't. What, what are you what are you, what are you doing, man? Yeah. Like you, you're you're yeah. you are a hundred and something pounds overweight, right? And yeah. you're a doctor. Like yeah. you're supposed to be at least at least somewhat health. Like you don't, yeah. you don't gotta be a bodybuilder. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, come on, like put some effort into your own profession. That's, yeah. that's you know? crazy. I mean, yeah. A lot of nurses, a lot of our customers are nurses who are mm-hmm. up and are eating McDonald's at 3am. They got their fourth shift. I mean, yep. and that's the, that's the wellness industry that she's in or that's the health industry. Right. So right. the irony health. is that those, sometimes those people need the most yeah. help. And um, yeah. yeah, I think the biggest thing now that I'm even exploring that I think a lot of people are, are are getting into now is health is so much deeper than like, it's so much deeper than what you eat. And I don't mean this in like a woo woo cheesy way, but the, 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 the psycho uh, aspect of it, like the psycho, my, my I don't know what you call it, like the psychomental or whatever they call it, basically like your your mental health, right? And and your relationships and how you manage stress. I think the mm-hmm. biggest thing, and Mike experienced it himself in a massive way, is the CNS, is the central nervous system. Yes, our bodies are so intelligent and they want to be alive, but they want to feel safe mm. and they want to feel like they can thrive in that environment that is is in the parasympathetic. So that's the biggest thing I'm even focusing now in my life and Mike's always working on too. Cause like I've done all the supplements, I've done all the workouts, I've done all the biohacks, but the greatest one ever is like, can you regulate when you're stressed? Hmm. Can you regulate your central nervous system when you're freaking out? Because that that's bad for everything. I mean, hormones. Yeah. I happiness. Mean, happiness. I yeah. mean, so that's really also what happened to Mike too during those times. You have to realize it wasn't just the physical being punched. His body was in what is called fight or flight. Now you don't have to be an athlete to experience that. You could be in the car right now listening and you just yeah. got into a huge fight with your spouse or you have a, a meeting you're going to that's so stressful or money stress or relationship stress. I mean, those are what's also deteriorating our bodies too. So now when we talk about health, I think it's important to say to people like, dude, there's a lot more than just what you eat. It's so yeah. much more, right? Don't you agree now? I, I feel like I see health so differently than I did even a few years ago. I'm like, honestly, it's so much more than what you eat. Yeah. It's like I, how you manage stress and sleep and stuff. I totally agree. I think everything between like the breath work and the meditation and yeah. cold plunge sauna, I mean, it's just whatever works for you. Sure. You know, sure. and I, yeah. I think it has a trickle down effect. Exactly. It's, it's how, and it's why I fell in love with CBD and even THC, other cannabinoids, um, you know, magnesium, all these different all natural tools to kind of help you help calm down your nervous system because it had that trickle down effect mm-hmm. to where all of a sudden I was like, okay, when my anxiety is lower, 
all of a sudden my inflammation's lower. All of a sudden my gut feels better. All of a sudden my broken hand feels better. Mm. So when you can get into that parasympathetic, which I believe that a lot of the tools that, that we have, um, not only with soul, but just with, you know, that are free, like the breath work, like those things I mentioned, yeah. um, it has a trickle down effect on your health. I know that anecdotally firsthand. And then that's really what a lot of our customers say. So yeah. that's what's so interesting about CBD. And also confusing is like, why are people, people always question, how does it help with anxiety and pain and also inflammation? And it's really for that reason. The way it's activating the endocannabinoid system is putting your body out of fight or flight and into that parasympathetic rest and digest so you can mm. heal finally. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. helping your body do what it's supposed to do. So mm. that's why I've always been a fan of it. And it helped me get off a lot of medications. And um, now we've had the opportunity to help thousands of people. Yeah. Well, the more you do that type of stuff too, the easier it is to make better decisions around other parts that affect your health, like other areas that affect your health. It's easier to make better decisions to eat healthier yeah. when you feel better. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's way, it's way easier to eat like shit when you're the nurse yeah. who just, you know, is trying to get through their next 14 hour shift yeah. and you got seven minutes to scarf down some food and yeah. not a ton of money left. You know what I mean? Like just if you're in that situation, it's difficult to make a good decision to go Absolutely. like cook something up. That's going to be really healthy for you. And you know what I mean? But when you're in a, in, in the person, the parasympathetic state, when you are, you know, doing your best to put at bay the, the stress and the, um, you know, cortisol levels in your blood and all those things like yeah. tend to, make better decisions. And then when you make those better decisions, it makes it easier to get into that state next time. And then it makes it easier to make better. It's like this, you know, um, self-fulfilling prophecy, so to speak, that exactly. just lets you continue to be healthier, you know, over time. Yeah. And it's ups and downs. And so, you know, I, I say this to anyone listening that is dealing with chronic illness, like I have still a lot of bad days and then I have great days, right? And it's two steps forward, one step back and two steps forward, sometimes three steps back. But it's just yep. like having that resilient mindset, I think is massive when you're going through chronic pain. Hmm. And so it's just like, sounds cheesy, but like, don't give up. Don't give up and keep turning over every single rock to see what's gonna work for you. Yeah. That's what I've done for the last you know decade that I've dealt with autoimmune and pain and concussions is, something works for me for a while. I feel happy about it. And then maybe it doesn't. And I'm just turning over the rock. And when I say that, I mean like seeing what new modality or what new practice can help me. And so I think that is one thing that boxing definitely taught me. There were moments when I could have quit, you know, and boxing taught me to get knocked down and get back up. And I'm proud for that fact that through depression, through anxiety, through some really ugly thoughts, um, whether it be from concussions or whatever it is, I haven't given up and I'm still sitting here. Yeah. And so I think that's that's a win that I wanna constantly tell people is that as shitty as that day feels, like you just, you can't give up. You gotta get back up and keep trying for, you know, that next day to be better. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes too, sometimes I feel like I give myself permission to, to just like mark that day as an L. Mm, I feel like yeah. that made me feel better at some point, you mm. know, because sometimes you you you're fighting so much and then you, mm. you know, you're you're just running against obstacle, 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 obstacle. Just like one of those days, that just like keeps trickling, just, just keeps just keeps you know, s seems like you're doing everything with somebody spraying a fire hose in your face the whole day. Mm. You know, you're just trying to like just get through, and then at some point along the way, I just kind of realized like you know what, tomorrow's a new day. I think I'm just gonna shut off my computer, sit down 
enjoy some time with my family and go to bed early, <laughs> you know, and then yeah. I'm going to get up tomorrow and we're going to take another crack at this That's thing. grace, right? And that's, that's what grace is, right? Yeah. Like if you are religious or whatever people Being kind to yourself. Grace, yeah. Because if you're beating yourself up every day, it's almost going to make it worse. So well, yeah, it's a, and you're that. the only person that you would ever allow to do that. That's the thing that yeah. like made me switch it at some point was just like, if anybody else treated me, like I treat myself sometimes, like to your point earlier about like guys being hard on themselves, I'm sure yeah. w- women are the same way, but, um, <clears throat> almost this added pressure, um, as a man to just like, you know, grit your teeth and show up and whatever. And it's just like, I would not treat anybody else the way that I treat myself. And I would not let anybody else treat me the way that I treat myself. So why am I letting myself treat myself that way? <laughs> that's, that's not a healthy relationship with me. You know, yeah. I think for me, it's that cemetery analogy that knowing one day I'll be there, and it's like a day before that happens, will I care about this moment right now? Yeah. I mean, maybe it is big enough that I will care, and then let's act on it. Mm. But ninety nine percent of the the shit right. is like, yeah, I'm not going to care about this in five, ten, fifty years, right? Yeah. Right. So just a little reminder the that five I, minute rule, man. So what? Yeah. we always go through. You know, it's just like this doesn't matter in five years, then don't give it more than five minutes, mm. you know, um, in terms of like feeling a negative emotion or yeah. something about it. You know? like right. That. That's big. It's like you lose. I just remember we were, my wife and I were on this trip one time we were in New Zealand <clears throat> and it was just like, it was a beautiful, beautiful place. And we loved the experience, but there was a, a few things that happened like two or three days in a row where it was just like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> what the f- like, what, yeah. what is happening right now? Yeah. You know, like we, someone stole, uh, like, five or $600 out of our car. Like, so we, cause we try to carry cash and we travel, you know, cause it just makes it a little bit easier. And so, um, we were staying in this hostel and somebody stole this, the wallet that it had oh like God. five, $600 cash in it. And this was, you know, we, we were pretty, we were still pretty young. I was probably like 24, 25. So mm-hmm. like 500 bucks at that time is like, mm-hmm. Hey, <laughs> that's my rent. You <laughs> Go know find I mean? this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, so then that happened and then like, like the next day I got like a speeding ticket. And then the next day we had to pay like $200 more for our bags on a flight that we thought we got a good deal on. It was just within two or three days. It was like, we were out 1200 bucks, wow. like 1300 bucks. Best vacation ever. Yeah. And when we were trying to enjoy it, you know what I mean? And then I just remember at that time, I had just learned about that five minute rule. And it mm. was like something that saved the rest of the trip, I think in my opinion, because normally I would let that stuff just like, Mm. piss me off and i'm just like fine i'm done you know like fuck this trip you know and then um but then you start thinking about it it's like yeah that sucks 1200 bucks like that sucks you know what i mean but in five years that 1200 bucks will not matter a lick in my bank account doesn't matter even none of it matters yeah Yeah. and even a year from now yeah six months from now like it's gone okay Mm -hmm. what are we gonna do about it now yeah. We gonna, we going to like just sit and sulk and be upset forever. Like w- at what point are we allowed to stop doing that? Yeah. You know, so it's just like give yourself 5 minutes cuss, throw stuff at the wall, you know, punch the pillow next to you, whatever, you know what I mean, but just get it out and then all right, let's <laughs> punch move on someone, move on. Yeah. <laughs> Find someone to punch next to you. <laughs> Try not for to punch a person. Only, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of you can get a lot of punching in 5 minutes. <laughs> Try to hold After your punches more than one round people, boxing. Yeah. You right? yeah. you're going to be tired before yeah, you get five through 5 minutes in the boxing world is like eternity, <laughs> yeah. right? That's the whole round. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think also it's it's like that was what I call you just paid for life school. So what that is is little tuitions throughout your life. Mm-hmm. Those moments yeah. where you lost 
less money and you're like, fuck. But in that moment, you learn something, you regulate your central nervous system, you let something go. It's like, oh, cha-ching, cha-ching. You're like paying life school, right? You're just constantly paying the school of life. Especially if you didn't go like, go get your master's or whatever. It's like you in that moment learn something that now maybe the next time something happens, you can go back to New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Because that does really (laughs) suck. Yeah, it's not fun. Beautiful place. You're like, oh my God. Just trying to enjoy everything. And then it's just like, oh God. Why is this yeah. happening? Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh my gosh. So uh, what do you what do you guys do for fun around here in Austin? Pickleball. Mike is obsessed with pickleball. I need something competitive of that course. I'm not going to like absolutely damage my body. Hot so anything. I play basketball, but then I'm, you know, always going to get hurt. It does like damage the court. body. And yeah. so I'm just, I'm loving pickleball. And then I don't do it in Austin, obviously, but uh, surfing. I was just in El Salvador, um, you know, earlier this year, and I try to make trips out as much as I can since everything we're doing is remote. So yeah, surfing and pickleball for me are like my new outlets. I I, I wish I, I I need to get into surfing. I always say that, but then I live here and I'm like, what am I, what am I gonna do? Where am I, I gotta, gonna find this? You have to go somewhere for like yeah. three months just to um, practice it. I love dance class right now. I got into dance last year. And I'm like, why didn't I do this sooner? So I'm loving dance class. It's just so fun. I mean, I've always liked to dance, but like going twice a week now and making it a thing where I feel like it's such a like, I mean, it's proven like movement and then music. It's like very therapeutic. I feel like I leave and I'm like just amped up. Like yeah, it's yeah. just the best. Um, so yeah, I would say that. And then I love, I make a lot of comedy, funny videos. And so I love, I love comedy script writing. I love playing with that right now. It's been okay. really, really fun. It's a huge like expression of mine that I just like have to get out. Yeah. Um, so that's been really fun. So yeah, I love dance. I love making people laugh. <clears throat> Austin's a good like place to for comedy. Yeah, for comedy to be in comedy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were just watching uh the other day uh Tony Hinchcliffe's Kill show. Tony. Kill Tony. It's oh so my good. God. Let's just say the bar is pretty low for, for going on <laughs> Kill Tony. So I didn't know it was like people that were going up that were like that bad. So I'm like, shit, I'll, okay, yeah, I'll go up. Like, is it like open mic? New yeah, but kind people of have to wait in the alleyway for like two, three hours, like see if you get on and you get 60 seconds. Hmm. And then Tony Hinchcliffe, who's just ruthless in the best way possible. You, He's yeah. the most unapologetic person ever. And I love him. He will just tell you like, hey, bud, that, that sucked. You're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> just tear into you. Yeah, he just tears into people. So yeah, I really want to uh, explore comedy more. And then uh, I love dance class. And that's what I would say I do for, for fun. What the mothership's great, man. Yeah. Mothership is great. Oh, you've been? Yeah, you got to go. Yeah, yeah, we went. Um, so my wife's out here uh, about a month ago, actually, because uh, she was out here for a work event. And then also... It was her birthday, so oh, nice. I came out a couple days early from the event. We just spent a couple days in oh, Austin fun. hanging out. Um, so yeah, we went and saw Joe Rogan and friends, and uh, oh, it was so good. Yeah, um, Brian Simpson went up, oh, and uh, and Tony Hinchcliffe went up, Shane Gillis went up, yeah. and those are some of my my, my Shane Gillis is probably like my favorite comedian. Oh at the wow, moment. yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Tony Hinchcliffe, I had not seen him do stand up like that, so he crushed you got to be ready for it yeah it was so good yeah he's just so unapologetic i don't think i know a comedian who's that unapologetic just like alarming the stuff that he says yeah you're like i can't believe you're saying it's so funny yeah yeah but he's saying what you're thinking so it's like all right yeah right exactly (laughs) that's that's usually what comedy is is you're saying what people are thinking you might as well just say you're bold enough to say it yeah Yeah. he's he's crazy though but yeah rogan went up at the end did really well Mm -hmm. um but I love that yeah. question that you asked. I mean, your show has a lot of like successful people on it, entrepreneurs. I think that that's important because I think in any business or entrepreneurship, you lose you lose hobbies or you lose fun. And that fun is like the the fuel that then keeps you going and keeps that that zest for life to even keep doing in the business. So I think it's, it's good that people still find things outside of your job that don't make you money that are just so fun. Yeah. Like I don't get paid to go to dance, you know, but it's just, it, it feels so good. Yeah. And so I think that's important. I'm realizing now in my 30s, I'm like, oh, I need to, 
like constantly still do things that just make me happy because they just fucking make me happy yeah, for get, no other reason than that. Exactly. Exactly. You get caught up in the, in the rat race a little bit, too, you know, too much. And especially in the social media world, you get caught up with what everybody else is doing and, you know, you start comparing yourself and, um, yeah. and it's just so true that comparison is the thief of joy. It's just, it's, it zaps your happiness levels. It's you know, huge. It, I think it's one of the biggest things going on right now. It's gotta be. Oh my you know? God. That's why I've been doing a lot of reading on happiness. I probably, probably, uh, last year, maybe read like 20, 25 books and wow. like three or four of them were on happiness. And then like this year I've read like four books and like three of them were on happiness. Wow. And, uh, uh the, the, it's just, I've been trying to calibrate my life a little bit differently is mm -hmm. like my point. The majority of the content that I consumed prior to some of these books has been just like business, just all business, entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. how to make money, business, sales, 30 market, X, whatever. Yeah. 40 X <laughs> your yeah. income. It's the new rule. Or else you're lame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 It's hard, man. You scroll and you're like, shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You take this program, you buy that course, like a, almost a hundred percent was all about business. And then recently I've just kind of been realizing that like, you know what? That's not like, that's not the optimal way to live life if your goal is actually enjoying life. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like, obviously having money yeah. makes life more enjoyable, just period, yeah. hands down. There's no way you can argue that to me at, at this point, you know, because I've experienced kind of both sides of the coin. Having money is better. It just <laughs> is. Um, yeah. But it is clearly not the exclusive thing that brings yeah. happiness and joy and fulfillment and in a lot of ways can actually be a detriment to those things. So that's why I feel like I've been optimizing more lately to be like kind of what we're talking about earlier is like, what is 90 year old Travis going to be happy that 30 year old Travis did for him, you know? And so that's one of the things that I've been just trying to do more research around is like, yeah. okay, but what, what do like the happiest people do? Mm. You know what I mean? Not what are the richest people do? Yeah. And, um, and, and I, like I said, I've, I find correlations between the two, you know? Um, yeah. There's some, I, there's all the, yeah like purpose, community. Sure. Yeah. yeah a lot of those things. Um, but one of those things is, is, uh, enjoyment and, and having fun. And, uh, for a while I just kind of, I just kind of realized like, man, I think I forgot how to have fun. Mm. You know, it was yeah. super weird. She didn't, she never forgets that. <laughs> yeah, that's and she problem. helps that's me good with for that. You. Probably too much. That's good. She I, helps me I with that. I think I'm just here to have fun and then I'm going to die. <laughs> There's, that's great. Yeah. There's a couple year period, man. I <laughs> Put that on my tombstone. She just had a lot of fun. I don't know what else. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's a good realization though. Because like, yeah, I, I had my kids, you know, and it was like, I just started a software company. I was raising money for the software company. I was doing like coaching and I had events and my podcast and all that stuff. I was still releasing three podcast episodes a week. And then I still, and then my son was um, 18 months old and we had my daughter and she was, she was a difficult newborn. And so like that next year after, especially like even after I, you know, raising money for a business is like, is another one of those things that's like glorified, you know, but then like when you raise money, you got to actually go build a business afterwards. You know what I mean? So like, and for me, I didn't raise through like, um, VCs or anything. I wrote, you know, friends and family type of thing. And yeah. so it's like you raise over a million dollars from people that you care about. It's like that level mm. of stress to like go perform now. Yeah. Like that hit at the same time that like my daughter's like three months old and my son is like coming up on two, you know, it's just like wow. for a two years, it was just like, I, I don't, 
I don't know where I am right now. Like, I don't know which way's up. And you're, you're I don't know still which way's so down, young too. You know? So it's like, God, I'm too young to be. Well, well, that's to your point earlier about saying that I I feel like I'm you 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 feel like my energy is that of an older person. Yeah. It's just like, well, that's because it kind of is. You grow up <laughs> you know? fast. Wow. Like, but but my yeah. point was to say that like during that time is when I I feel like I I forgot like how to have fun. It was just like yeah. I did I didn't engage with that part of myself at all because it was just like everything needed stuff just needed to be done mm. and like sometimes you just got to step up and get shit done you know but then uh, you know we came on the other side of that and like our kids now three and four they're still really you know a lot of work but you, we can take a breath like we can actually sleep at night and you know what i mean there's semblance of normalcy yeah. my business is more mature i have employees like there's you know what i mean so now it's like uh it was a weird realization to be like what is it what is it like just like to go like fuck around on the golf course with my mm. buddies and just like drink beer for fun. Mm. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like mm. that's got a, that, that sounds, we should, we should do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that sounds fun list. I did an episode on this. It's called the, that sounds fun list. And it's a list where you sit down with yourself and you could write anything. It could literally be like the smallest thing. Like, Oh, I love this tea. I love this coffee mug. I drink out of in the morning. Like these little joys that bring you joy every day. Yeah. Because honestly, uh, there's a Goop article about chase joy, not happiness, which is essentially about if you chase little bits of joy every day, by the end of your life, you'll look back and you'll be happy instead of like chasing happiness is sometimes chasing the big milestones, which then once you get there, you're like, okay. So um, yeah, it's kind of like you're, um, yeah, I was gonna say you're like chasing joy. You're like almost prioritizing your joy, which then makes you a better person in all areas of your life too. So I do feel like there's an epidemic though of people um, not having fun anymore. So yeah, oh, the episode was on that, that sounds fun list. And basically- I tell people to brain dump, like almost up to 200 things. Like it could be so stupid. It could be like, yeah. go to the zoo and like laugh at the monkeys. I don't know. It could literally be like the stupidest stuff, free, paid, whatever. And then you can always like go back to that and be like, oh, that sounds yeah. fun. Yeah. Like that sounds fun. <laughs> like that's, that's a good idea. I would do. Keep, keep like a constant list. Somewhere. Yeah. I literally have a list called that sounds fun. Yeah. Or you know, it'd be fun if, and I just have a random brain dump of this journal, of like random shit that I just think would be fun. And that's where I started with dance. I was like, oh, that'd be fun to go try dance class. I like tried it. So I think. That's cool. I think you got to create that list. <laughs> yeah. And then go do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless making lists is on your list of fun things. You could also just voice, <laughs> voice it to yourself or something. I don't know. There's no rules. <laughs> Take some out of office gummies and make a that sounds fun list and your, your day is going to be great. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try some. I'm gonna try yeah. Those are our uh-huh. new microdose uh, THC gummies. So we know we have a lot of. T- and this is Delta people. 9, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. But very hemp, tiny. Hemp derived. Okay. Delta nine. One point five, so super, super small amount. So uh I'm a little too dumb to understand the differences here. What like what all I know is that if you if it's delta nine versus whatever the regular THC is, is that you can ship it, basically. Mm-hmm. So why what what's up with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a wild loophole. Um the 2018 farm bill basically outlined that if the product is under 0.03% THC. Uh, based on weight, then it is federally legal. So um, as long as it's hemp derived, which it is, so there's there's two plants under the cannabis plant. You have the hemp plant, which is very high in CBD and other cannabinoids, lower in the psychoactive THC compounds, and then flip that for marijuana, which is very high in THC and uh, you know the Delta 9, Delta 8, all those different uh, compounds that get you high and lower in CBD and the other uh, cannabinoids that are um, not psychoactive. So all of our products are hemp derived. All the products on the sole CBD side are zero THC. 
and they're all double third party lab verified because I was getting drug tested uh, during the time we actually started the company. And like Angie said, we have nurses and people that care about that. And then the out of office side is um, the, the THC side. And so we can ship that to all 50 states because it is hemp derived and it's Delta 9 hemp derived. And we have some organic farms that we partner with um, and just an awesome process. So that's kind of the loophole there. Okay. It's part, you know, uh, there's no difference in the compound though. No. Yeah. So there's really no difference in the compound mm. whatsoever, which is interesting. In fact, even when you look at a, a hemp field versus a cannabis marijuana field, virtually identical, smell identical, um, look the same. Yeah. I remember walking through some of the fields. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, well, it's like, I, there's many moments where I'd walk through our fields and kind of like, be like, Looking around, being like, I feel like the DEA is about to like come down and like arrest <laughs> like, me. Like, like Ozark. Look, yeah, I'm like Something searching for my yeah, kids. Like I'm like, this yeah. doesn't feel right. I know it's legal, but like, I kind of feel like, <laughs> like the white atmosphere. Pablo Escobar right yeah, now. It's exactly. like, but yeah, so it's, it's, um, I think it's a, uh, been a great loophole for people. So our products are not in uh, dispensaries. We don't have to worry about that um, as long as we stay under that legal limit, which we do. And so we feel like the microdose movement's really taking off, right? You talked about alcohol earlier. A lot of people are looking for alcohol replacements um, and they want to take something that they can still function, right? Like yeah. we have kids, we have jobs, we have shit to do. I don't want to take a gummy and then all of a sudden I'm so high, I don't know where I am and I'm ordering $100 worth of Chipotle on the couch and like, yeah. I want to function. Or uh, missing your flight at the airport. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we've all been at like all those things, you know? And so for me, like, you know, having 1.5, maybe up to three, you know, it just takes the edge off. I can still function. We yeah. have a lot of people that work out um, okay. after they take out of office. So- yeah, that's that's kind of like the the breakdown of of that. And yeah, the yeah. Compound. Is it is there um is it like a different um like is it indica or or sativa or hybrid or it's a hybrid. does it have any of that? Yeah, it's it's a hybrid, and and the goal there was you know we if we're going to create a sleep specific, then we would go you know indica or yeah, yeah. kind of play around with that different, but um it's a hybrid, so it kind of just okay. gives you a nice little easy buzz. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've, I've always been curious about that. I just never yeah. understood. It was just like, wait, I thought you couldn't ship THC. It was like, well, this is Delta 9. I'm like, okay, it's THC, right? Like it gets you high. They're like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yeah. some, I don't make it make sense. Make yeah. it make sense, please. You yeah. know what I mean? The, the key there is hemp derived, okay. right? Got so it. it's still Delta 9, Delta 9 in marijuana, Delta 9 in hemp. So Got it. It, it's really kind of a legal loophole. It's probably part the government not knowing what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, big surprise. <laughs> and then part just, you know, the hemp industry lobbying to yeah. lift it up. And to be like, our this way one's to, fine. <laughs> yeah, this, one, this one's cool. That one's not. Yeah. But either way, it's, I think it's a huge win because it's, it's a fight against big pharma. You know, yeah, totally. It's yeah. a plant that's been grown for thousands of years years and um it's a fight against uh you know the powers that be uh it's so. the only thing that makes sense to me at this point it's like now i mean it's 2023 like we are 2024 <laughs> um it's uh it's like this is so well documented now yeah. that like yeah. this is a better alternative than so many other things that people are using and if alcohol has been legal for this long why is that just like why are we still dragging our feet here especially you guys here in texas yeah <clears throat> yeah it's a little bit different for you here too, because like they'll take it like pretty seriously here too. They do. Right? Yeah. If you get and and that's the beauty of this product, right? Is that 
once again, it's legal and it ships to all 50 states and you don't have to worry, am I in a state that's medical, recreational, whatever. Right. Um, I, don't, I also don't have to like go to the gas station and get it from like a creepy dude. Right. It's like, you can go on the website. We have trusted third-party verification. We have customer service. Um, we have face behind the brand. Mm-hmm. My mom works at the company. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> so if we fuck up, she'll pretty trustworthy. <laughs> I mean, they don't know that our mom isn't like some shady, just like, like you a know. drug dealer. Yeah. Like what if her mom is like in Ozarks, you know, I, I love that show. Where it's just, it is like, a great show. That, that, you're on the edge of your seat. You're like, maybe I could sell. It drugs, right? Like it doesn't really look too hard. Show. Our mom is not Wendy Bird. <laughs> yeah. Wendy yeah. Bird. Wendy. There we go. Wendy yeah, Bird. She's oh. a savage. She is. Man, you get sucked into that. You're eight episodes in and you're like, I could do this. They didn't really get murdered like they're hiding in the closet you're like laundering money doesn't seem yeah, like, that it would. i literally said that to clay one night we were watching i was like laundering money wouldn't be like that that hard he was like angie you would literally get killed in like two seconds i'm like no i can do this <laughs> just on zillow looking at lake of the ozarks properties yes <laughs> exactly our mom is wendy bird we gotta go find my wendy bird to be my mentor <laughs> Well, uh, listen, guys, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you coming on. Is there anything that you would like to leave listeners with in terms of like where they can go find more of you, products, anything like that? Yeah. Um, our website is getsoul.com. And same with the all of our handles is get.soul. You can find us there. And then you can find out of, out of office on there as well. Um, and then obviously DM us with any questions. We, we love interacting with our customers. Um, you know, so you find us there on, on social media as well. And Angie's got, you know, much more of a social media presence uh, than I do, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> mostly because no, she good, makes people though. laugh, but it's no, good. It's good though. You're, 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 I, I, like I, I stay a little low key. It's like, good. It's better for your brain. Trust me. Listen, if I didn't have to do social media, I, I wouldn't. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. To be, I'm just that kind. I think I'm in the middle of that phase right now where I'm just like, I don't know if I want, mm. I love doing my podcast. Mm. Yeah. But I don't love the doing, promoting of it. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. That's how I felt that about our our show. We, yeah. We had a little season uh, season one called uh, The Best Medicine where we interviewed a lot of health Yeah, and go listen to people. that. Uh, yeah, it was medicine. it was great. We I loved doing it. I loved interviewing people. I loved having conversations like this. I personally did not like the promotion and and the you can pay someone to do that. You got to do it. The clips and the you got to do. Yeah, I have a, yeah. a producer and he's you know worked with me for several years and he does all like my clips and everything. Yeah. I just hate like having to worry about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you you look at then you start getting sucked into the numbers and the are we exactly. doing and then you start creating content for the numbers instead yes. of creating content for how you feel about the content you're putting out and it's just. You, yeah, you start yeah. you start letting the algorithms rule you rather than just doing what you yeah. want to do and letting it fall where it may. You yeah, know that's what I mean, a but, and, but it's like we're competitive. We're like mm-hmm. you know we want we want to see the numbers grow. Like yeah. that's a that's a metric to tell us we're doing something right. And it's yeah. like, but I talk to so many creators now that get sucked into that rabbit hole, and now they're stuck doing something that they don't even like doing they're they're talking about something mm. all the time that they don't even like talking about just because well that's what the number you know what the, i mean like that's what the stupid machine the algorithm likes. shows me that that's what people like so yep. like that's how i make my money so i gotta keep making videos about like whatever productivity apps or whatever and it's like okay i guess but like I, i've done a few videos that popped off and then when we went to go do more of them i was just like i don't do that that's not what I that's not what I started this for. And people will feel that. People feel when you like what you're doing, especially as in the creator space. Like yeah. when the, the intention Yeah, they can feel it when they're like, Oh, you you enjoyed making this video. I can see it in you that you like it. And that's yeah. why I like it, because you're laughing at yourself in the video. It's just it is the same thing with stand up. 
I love when they're up there and they're laughing at themselves. Yeah. Not because the joke was funny, but because I know they're happy. And I like seeing people doing what they like to do. So I always remind creators that like, sometimes you do have to kind of like remind yourself to like, yeah, the algorithm is somewhat important, but not really. Like if you're truly in the joy, they'll see it. You can see when you lose that They'll eventually like, it's why people like Joe Rogan because when he's sitting there, there's a part of you that thinks, he likes what he's doing. For sure. And yeah. he's doing what he should be like doing he doesn't with his give a life. Fuck. And right. that alignment yeah. in your brain subconsciously makes him likable. Because right. you're like, he likes that. And I like him because he likes that. And he's doing what he should do. Even if I don't like that. Even if you don't like I the like topic. I like him because yeah. he likes that and he doesn't care. Exactly. You know what I mean? You can not like the topic, but still be like, I like him though. That's why Norm MacDonald was so good. Yeah. He's, cause right, he was great. He just st- stayed in the pocket. He That's doesn't, doesn't, doesn't give a shit. I shut down my OnlyFans account. I just, I lost the passion for it. Yeah. Yeah. Those toe picks? The yeah. toe picks. What? I lost the passion were they, for it. Were they not doing well anymore? It bought me this watch. But, <laughs> that's but, actually how I found you. That's where you guys go way back. You bought yeah. his toe picks yeah. for $70. Yeah. Bought his yeah. used socks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Used socks. Yeah, it's a weird You get those on your, soul. Your, uh, yeah. your toe guy 69? <laughs> oh my God. It's great to finally meet in person. Yeah, in person. Yeah, we've been chatting Live so in long. The flesh. Wow. Oh man, I thought that was AI I was talking to. No, it's the real. <laughs> I was I was actually messaging. It was the real deal. Mike does, have but I had to weird. shut it down. Yeah. He has two toes that like overlap each other. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, number one, this is Toe Guy sixty nine over here. You don't think he knows? <laughs> All right, all right, we gotta shut this shit down. Okay. Uh-huh. All right, guys, make sure you go to OnlyFans and check out Toe Guy sixty nine. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So uh, get get soul get soul CBD. get soul baby. We bought get that domain. Com. We paid a lot for it, so please yes. go to the website. Please visit it, please, so I can stop doing OnlyFans. Yeah. <laughs> please support us. <laughs> oh man, it's been a lot of fun, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, Angie, you still have your podcast? Yeah, correct. The Angie Lee Show. Show. Okay. So and go then check add out Angie Lee Show on Instagram. And she's been doing that for a really long Very time. Very unhinged. My goal is to just post most unhinged things. So Perfect. come on over. And some inspiration. It's a mix of both. <laughs> it is. It is. I've yeah, I feel like I feel like I brought you on the show back in like Oh my God, 2018? 2018 wow. or something like that. Yeah. It was a long time ago. ago. Yeah. yeah. But hey, you're always welcome back. This Aww. is a lot of fun. Thanks so much for coming on. Mike's great to connect a little bit more with you today. And uh yeah, I think think we got think we got some good stuff. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Was great. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you since I'm sharing my friends with you is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet. Then leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.